on the Rebel Sports Network. From Learfield, this is the Marcus Arroyo Show, brought to you by Fenley Chevrolet. Fenley Chevrolet is your home of the Woo, located on the 215 Beltway between Rainbow and Jones. And by Dos Equis, a proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. This is your home for the UNLV Rebels. Now, here are your hosts, Caleb Herring, and the voice of the Rebels, Russ Langer. And a very hearty welcome to you for the Marcus Arroyo Show. Before Game 7, the Rebels have a homecoming this Saturday at 7.32 p.m. kickoff from Allegiant Stadium taking on Air Force. Both teams are 4-2. and two. Rebels are 2-1 and one in conference play after losing last week against San Jose State. And Air Force comes in with a 1-2 and two record. And I'm here with Steve Cofield, former Rebel quarterback Caleb Herring. And, uh, Coach, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. No, we're doing good. We're doing good, Coach. We're excited. We're excited about the week, the week of prep. I know you guys are excited about it as well. How are you feeling about where you are with the team? I mean, we'll go back to the 4-2 the and two start, which is something that we maybe lost sight of after the loss to San Jose State. But at a 4-2 and two clip right now, how are you guys feeling? What's the, the tempo, I guess, around around the locker room there at Fertitta? Good, good. Excited to be home. Uh, four and two at the halfway point and uh, get a chance to be back in Allegiant for homecoming and, and another great uh, chance to uh, go to work. Man. And uh, guys have been good, a little banged up, trying to get healthy. But, uh, you know, we're at the midseason part and midseason point and, and being able to look back and say, you know, uh, hope at the beginning of the season where we thought we'd be and where we what we'd hope we'd get accomplished. And, um, there's a lot of things that, that we're excited about. Prove that we can we can really we can really be good in our strength profile in all three phases. I think was exciting to look at and and to be able to uh, to see the the growth there. To be able to see our our team be learn how to swing and counter and not only do that that we saw some of that last year, but be able to, to knock out punch and and finish some people home and on the road and uh, get quality wins on the road this season. Uh, our culture's improved and, and to see our goals and standards are still still clear in front of us. Or that part's exciting. We can't ever get hung up on, on one little deal. I know that's the uh, that's always the, the hang up on many, but that's not that's not how you go about our work. You touched on it a little bit the the this point of the season, six games in, coming into week seven, the grind part of it. Uh, there's there's the physical aspect, obviously, with the injuries, um, and and trying to get back healthy at this point, but also the mental sort of grind that's been going on. It's been it's been tough. It's a the football's a, a hard thing mentally. How are the guys in that regard and. Is there anything you do coaching-wise from a staff standpoint to sort of combat that grind or hitting any sort of walls at the midseason point? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody goes through it. Uh, I think you, you particularly go through it, uh, you know, when you're still kind of at the infant stages of, of our program in comparison to maybe some others, other places I've been that have been getting longer or whatever the case may be. Um, there's a lot of different things you learn to adjust to. I think that uh, when you start camp back all the way for us, all the way back in July, and you've, you've worked almost every day all the way to – to now in, in October and you got, you know, half the season left, um, there's a definite grind. And I think the, phys- the physical piece is, a, is an absolute. The mental and emotional piece, I think, is the thing you're kind of alluding to. That, that, piece, is, that piece is always hard, especially when you're young and uh, you got to learn to dig in and, and you're tired and your body's tired and, and uh, you got to get back up and, and go to work. And um, I think there's a really healthy learning curve to that. I think that uh, as a coach, you got to make sure, you know, you got a good pulse on, on how your team is, how your staff is. Are you getting enough rest? Are you still making it fun and energizing and exciting? Are they learning? Do they understand the ebbs and flows and the, and the longevity of a season? And, and so that's where 
you know, my biggest project is and, and my biggest excitement is, is, is because that piece of it there, I think that that psychological piece is something um, I, I get excited about because I think that you can, you can get a lot out of it. I think that you teach, you teach a, a big group that success is never linear and that there's going to be peaks and valleys and, that, and that's a bigger picture of life too. And so um, it's exciting to teach that and football, football is just that, man. It's hanging in there and, and being diligent and having a good mindset and um, I love that piece of it. And talk about the valleys. One of the valleys, I think, dealing with injuries, you touched on that at this point. The biggest injury, I think, uh, Rebel fans across the board, we opened up on social media. Some people were wanting us to ask you about the status of Doug Brumfield. I know earlier in the week you said Mm -hmm. day-to-day. Has anything changed in regards to to his status and where he is as far as getting back out there? Yeah, he's been with our doctors every day. Uh, He's been doing his stuff day-to-day. And day-to-day, we we check in every day with him and the doctors, how he is in his stage. He's in a... He is in a concussion protocol, and he's been uh, he's been really diligent with that, and, and it's been really good. Um, he's gotten better every day, and so uh, I think he's ahead of where we may have hoped, uh, which is exciting. But um, that process, we sure as heck won't hurry. And so um, until he gets his, uh, a full clearance to get to get ready to roll, um, we won't put him in a position where we feel we got to count on him. So right now he's uh, he's still working through uh, you know the few stages with our doctors on that. Obviously, the protocol is one thing, and you you said this in a little bit, and I wanted to allude on it because especially at the quarterback spot, when the doctors give him a green light as far as the protocol is clear, that's one thing. But then there's also a feel as a coach, as a quarterback, as a former quarterback, where you know that the prep, his energy, his focus has to be at an even more heightened level than the minimum requirements. And I, I want you to kind of touch on that because that seems like something that's more of a personal thing with, with the coaching and knowing your guys when you see that level of, of focus and ability from Doug from a mental standpoint on the field. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to get really intimate with it, I mean, I, I played the position and had, you know, I, I'd been dinged, and, and you probably have two, Caleb. I don't say we all have we all have it at one point, but um, I know what that feels like. Uh, I know what it feels like as a player. And then, um, you know, and, and to be able to work through some of that. Uh, you play long enough, and in, in, in whatever sport you're at, contact, uh is if it's part of it, it's gonna you're, you're gonna get jarred it, 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 at some point in your career. You play long enough, um, so I know what that like. I know what that fog's like at times. I know what it's like to to feel uh, you know like you're you're very present and engaged. I know what it's like when you're not don't feel present, engaged, 100. percent And so I think it, it you know fortunately able to apply that now as a coach, having done this for a long time with that position. I, you know I, I noticed right away there was you know I can see it right away when a guy has a little bit of a long look um and that that he may not be fully present or engaged in that moment and uh and so I recognize that and I take that very seriously and so at that position I know that there has to be a an all out focus to be able to get it done at such a heightened level at such a high level um and so uh you know bringing him back when when the doctor say ready is one thing you're right and then bringing him back to where I feel like he can fully function and get the the mental piece down is is absolutely a part of the deal Marcus Arroyo Radio Show, Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring, Russ Langer here. So it's interesting, a lot of the fan reaction, because they've got battle scars and they really want to make a bowl game, it's like they've reset the goals of the season, and a lot are saying, you know, just hold out, Doug, Air Force and Notre Dame, and, you know, the conference games are what matters. What What is the goal? <laughs> I mean, really, what what is the goal? Because my response has been, with a healthy Doug, they can beat Air Force. They can beat Notre Dame. Like, you give yourself the best chance possible. What's your reaction to kind of, in a way, almost diminishing season expectations by saying, hey, let's hold Doug Brumfield out? Well, I, I don't. I, I can't. You know, everyone's going to have their, their their conversations about what they feel is is that that's part of the that's part of where we live in. Um, 
we're going to treat every week as a, as a week that we're going to try to get best prepared we can with all our weapons. We know how explosive we can be um, when we're when we're fully charged. Um, and I don't know at this stage who, in the, you know, if you're in the country playing football right now, college or pro, and you're fully charged, then you're probably pretty happy because you know how hard it is. Um, and so, uh, you know, if, if we've got the right guys ready to roll any given week, we're going to put our best product out there and try to go win a game. We're not, uh, we're not into, to, to sacking the bags and, and, and trying to plan down the road. I mean, there's opportunities that you're going to have in a given week where you got a chance to learn something and that might come out two weeks, three weeks from now, that may really matter. And if you'd have sacked the bags and didn't get a run at that opportunity or that look, you may miss it down the road. So, uh, we're going to be really smart. We're going to take it one week at a time, just like we have been, um, you know, having Doug, having Kyle, having Ricky 100%, having Jeff, having Plant. I mean, those are just, you know, unfortunately part of the deal was we've got to get everybody healthy. We know we can be really, really explosive when we've got a full bag. And um, I'm excited for these guys to, to take every day and try to get back out there. As soon as they're ready to roll, we'll put them back out there. We're not going to, we're not going to wait for, you know, something down the road to say, hey, okay, now we're ready to go. I think I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not about that. A part of that mentality is the next man up mentality. Obviously, Cam Friel came in in relief of Doug during the week, uh, during last week's game. During this week in preparation, how are we opening up the competition with quarterback? Is Harrison Bailey in the mix? Are the two of them different enough to where you maybe even consider a two-quarterback system just to make sure you have the best options available, like you said, to go after the win aggressively? Yeah, I mean, we're going to be aggressive and go after the game. Both those guys have done a good job this week preparing. They both have got uh, shared reps this week. Um, we'll probably make a decision here probably around Friday what we, you know, how, how things shape up. we got another uh, day of mental reps. I've got a fast Friday ahead of us uh, before we need to get into it. But both those guys are preparing to play, um, and, and both have had some, some, some good stuff this week that we've got to be able to, to build on and, and get some timing with some of these guys who are out there. So uh, I think either of, the, either of those guys will be ready to play. Cam's had more experience. Obviously, we all know that. That's the obvious piece. And Harrison is uh, a player we, we've recognized throughout camp and throughout – uh, the time he's been here, who can who can we know who can play? So uh, I think you know when we get down to it, both those guys are going to give us the best opportunity to uh, to move the ball, and um, they'll both be ready. Coach, the wide receiver position of the depth there has been tested in recent weeks. Can you give us an update on Kyle Williams? Yeah, Kyle's ahead of the schedule. Kyle's doing a really nice job. Um, he's out there moving around with us. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's ready for this week. Um, we'll see. I want to get more and more data run around this afternoon with our with our with our team with our athletic training team um and tomorrow see how he looks he's been out there um so we'll see how, how he looks but again I, we're, another guy we're not going to push and then have him at you know 60 70 for the rest of the season when we can get him back uh full and when we get back full he could be full go and we don't have to worry about that opening segment with head coach marcus arroyo on the marcus arroyo radio show along with caleb herring and steve cofield russ langer with you hey rebel fans lake mead is at historic lows change your watering clock to your three assigned days per week from now through the end of the month it's the law find your fall mandatory watering days at snwa.com that's snwa.com back with a whole lot more on the marcus arroyo show this is the unlv sports network on learfield it's the unlv football coaches show with head coach marcus arroyo on espn las vegas back here with segment number two on the marcus arroyo show continuing as the rebels 
prepare for the game against Air Force coming up homecoming this Saturday at Legion Stadium, 7.30 kickoff, 7 o'clock pregame show with myself and Caleb Herring and Steve Cofield uh, all bringing the action to you, describing the action. The friendly staff at Pueblo Medical Imaging is eager to take care of all your radiology needs and offers same-day, next-day availability. With top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art equipment, they're open seven days a week with early morning and evening appointments to accommodate all patient schedules. Rebels 4-2, and two, Air Force 4-2, and two, and we've got head coach uh, Arroyo with us, and uh, so we're ready to rock on with this segment. Yeah, Coach, we're talking about the, the backup duty, and we're talking about kind of coming in relief duty, um, and there's, there's obviously some differences with each quarterback, uh, I know that you all would operate with the clap cadence from a quarterback perspective, uh, at least for the most part, from what we see. We, you know, obviously, I don't know the exact cadence on the field, um, but how much of that is an attempt to eliminate maybe differences between the quarterbacks so that the cadence doesn't affect the rest of the team? The other 10 on the field get sort of the most similar cadence as possible. Is there any way to really eliminate that in the quarterback room? Yeah, I, th- I think that there's part of that. Um... You know, we went, I think a lot of us went to the clap because we realized that the clap uh, can actually cut through the noise of uh, crowd noise and all that differently um, at a different decimal level than it is that some guy's voice. Because I think, you know, what, what you're alluding to for, for the layman, a lot of guys don't have the same distinct uh, ability to kind of, you know, belt out a cadence that's got some real power to it. And so you do run the risk of, different quarterbacks' voices and timing and, and uh, voice inflection being really different, and that's hard. So I think the clap has kind of helped that for sure. Um, but that same that same within that same note, these guys are coached, at least here, that, that that is a big piece of it is to make sure that the rhythm and timing, if there is, if it's non-rhythmical, to how to mix that up and get their attention and make sure that there's, there's not a difference in all three of them or four, whoever it may be in. And then uh, when it is rhythmical, to know how to utilize it and know, you know, the, the reps you have when it is rhythmical. So um, it's definitely a, a coaching point, Caleb. That's, a, that's, a, that's a definitely a, a grad course in quarterbacking right there you're alluding to. I have to follow up on the clap, and my specialty on the show is the elementary questions. Are, is the cla- are, you, are the players going on the sound of the clap or the visual of, like, clap two or three? How does it actually work? And what if someone doesn't have a loud clap? Well, well Steve, wait, Steve, what do you want me to do? You want to, give it, you want me to invite all these guys to the to practice in the, in the, co- in the coaching meetings? <laughs> what are we doing here? Well, I don't want to give away the secrets, but, but, like, can you act wait. in a loud stadium? Like, if someone claps and it's... Like that? That's crap. Like someone's yeah. gonna have a loud clap. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. They do. They do. They do. It's, there's, they're actually a funny story. So, uh, a few years ago, uh, up at the last place, there's there actually there's an app you can actually download on your phone that actually uh, that you can you can uh, check the decimals of, of something like that. So we we put in the quarterback room to see who's got the loudest clap. Wow. Um, hmm. And so you can actually see like, okay, here's the starters clap. And like, it's okay. You're at uh, whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> number. And then you get the backup guy and he's trying to get to that number, you know, or then the third string guy's like, man, don't let that get to me, man. Oh man. I don't know what it is. So <laughs> yeah, we actually do set. We, we, we put it at the table and see what the decimals are and to say what it is, but it does cut through different. Steve, uh, it, it's weird enough. I, and I was a non-believer for a long time, many, many moons ago. And then we started doing it. And uh, it definitely is, is, is different when you're standing right back there at, at five yards deep. From the sideline, you can't really get it that is loud enough to get somebody drawn off sides or to get your guys jumping. And then at the end of the day, receivers, they can play deaf because they got to watch the ball. So 
Um, there is there is a there is something to getting off uh, on, on a rhythmical cadence before the clap. That's that's coached as well uh, to get off on a little bit of um, uh, a cheat code there. But um, more than anything, it's that it's just that clap that they kind of got to go on. Let's go real deep dive on sound. So at San Jose State, oh, oh here we go. Well, at San Jose State, <laughs> they I think they're putting sixty million dollars into the stadium and the new facility. I think forty eight yeah. million of it is a new speaker on the one end, uh, because I don't know oh, if you, okay. you heard that speaker, but the the metal was vibrating like it was a freaking you know mega speaker in like a ninety three Honda. It was, it was so <laughs> it was so loud. I, I had I had I had the metal vibrating like that. Yeah. My uh, eighty Regal I had the, some house speakers. <laughs> was, the Regal, I love it. I like it. I had a two door Regal with some with some with some house speakers bungee cord in the back that thing was slapping i love it um, the, the bungee cord but let me let me let me ask now, a question here because i, I got to follow yeah. up on this um yeah. kayla brought up early in the game there was a stoppage in play and you were talking to the officials caleb was making an educated guess that maybe they were playing too much music up too close to the play was there an issue with some of the sound and music at san jose state stadium no it wasn't about music there was uh on both sides of the ball because we both both defenses have move calls, they were both reminding us all not to start because there's a rule you can't the defense can't make their move to do to 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 uh, get the offense allude to a snap. So both sides where they were talking right, hey, you guys are both doing it. Are uh, you guys are both making your moves? Make sure your linebackers aren't at the first level. Da 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 da. That's what it was about. It was about sound, but it wasn't about speakers. And the other thing is, I I couldn't hear. Uh, the vibrations of the San Jose 80 Regal because I got those headsets on that I, I can't hear anything. So uh, I, I didn't hear it. I, I got to give Brent a little note and let him know that we've got some uh, ideas about how to how to shape it up. So like but I, I like like Steve said, I was anticipating or guessing basically because I, it was unfamiliar to me to have the synthetic sound pumping so close to the snap. It's just not something yeah, no, you're there, familiar with. There, you can do one for it. There's absolutely you, you, they can warn the, the home team that you're they're playing. The, they can warn the band. I've been to games where they they warn the band, right? Because the band can't play uh, up until like five seconds before the snap. They warn the side. They warn the home team of a penalty. Coach, uh, back to the elementary questions now. Um, we've got uh, some questions that have come up from fans that have uh, that have asked about the spades on the helmet. And that you had them there last year as well, and how they are earned. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're uh, they're, they're they're something we've come up with. We did last year a little bit, or a little bit. Uh, you know, not something that we're broadcasting because it's really an internal deal. Just recognition in regards to um, things we can do uh, on the field throughout the course of a game, um, and earned through scout team as well throughout the course of a week. And each week we go through and grade them out um, each side of the ball. Uh, I have a few there for my, myself that I grade out um, that we go ahead and, and guys earn them throughout the course of the week. There's uh, certain certain criteria they've got to hit, and those guys know what it is. And uh, we go ahead and we ante them up, and we grade the film every every week. And so we go from there. Any um, Can you reveal anything about who's got the most, whether it's Doug or AJ? or? Yeah, I think Doug's got the most right now. I, I did, someone asked me that the other day. I haven't done the count this week. Uh, I, I need to get in. Like, I usually do the count during the bye weeks. I go through. It's, it's on the it's on the bottom of the list of things to for me to get to get dialed into. But um, again, I haven't I haven't checked that. But I'm pretty sure that guys like uh, you know guys like AJ, um, guys like Leaf, guys who graded out well in multiple games. Um, I think I think uh, um, Preston's done a good job. Davion's had a couple. Um, Aiden's got quite a few. Doug's done a nice job. Um, those guys did a nice job with some of the execution goals and identity that we have. The uh, they give that type of recognition. 
So there's recognition for on the field stuff. I I personally wish that there could be more recognition for the prep stuff, the film stuff on the chalkboard, if you will, just a throwback. And does anybody use chalk anymore? Anyway, but I, I think no. There's, no. <laughs> no one uses chalk no. anymore. But uh, no. <laughs> for for prep, and this is you know getting back kind of to the, uh-huh. the Cam Friel and Harrison and those guys getting ready. Any everybody really uh, who's who's stepping up next man up stuff, the preparation side of things in the film room. I know you probably mm-hmm. run a really tight camp, and I can imagine being in those film rooms, and it's, it's high-level stuff obviously being mm-hmm. discussed there. How often are the guys on the chalkboard <laughs> – I keep saying chalkboard. How often are the guys up on the board um, walking you through coverages and making sure to show in that way that they're prepared in the film stuff? Oh, that, yeah. No, that, that's, that's every day. I mean, we're going to do – we had a meeting – every meeting, like today's red zone, third down, two-minute, um, and we've got an install that goes in every morning, um, quarterback start you know, early as anybody. And then they go into a protection meeting and then we go back into a quarterback meeting. I mean, they meet about an hour and a half a day. Um, and so we spend about the last 10, 15 minutes going through script drawn and talking protections, the early of the meetings, understanding protections and third downs and red zone and coverage ID. And we've got a big board in our office, actually, that's one of the boards you can draw on, on the TV screens, uh, which makes it really good. Cause you can actually see the, the visual of the people and they've got a forced draw on there and show us exactly how you know we manipulate coverage how it moves what the front is how protection is uh we do that a lot i think that's a that's a big piece of crystallizing your thinking as a quarterback is to be able to write it down and 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 build that i use you say chalkboard i i say i actually build a mental mental whiteboard i say use your mental whiteboard and build this out and because i use that because at the end of the day as a quarterback you don't got a whiteboard out in front of you or tv you got to be able to build the formation on the hash the down and distance the formation the front the coverage, the, the boundary safety, the, the mic, how far the nickel is. And, and I've got, I kind of talk them through, like, you got to be able to build this in your head like a game. So uh, we do a lot of that. There's a lot of those X's and O's that I think that that, that chess game uh, can be can be really good. And that goes all the way back. I was taught that a long time ago. Jeff, Jeff Coach Tedford, and, and, and Coach Ross, I shot through that for years on quarterbacks. Coach Tedford used to go far. They used to play checkers, and he'd sit down, and he'd have these che- he'd use checkers and, and do the formation. You have to move the formation. He'd move the defense, mm-hmm. and you'd move your offense according to what he did. So it was pretty cool. That's head coach Marcus Arroyo on the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. Up your gym game at EOS Fitness, a proud partner of UNLV. Join today for as low as $9.99 per month. Come visit online or join at joineos.com. Joineos.com. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Whole lot more coming up with head coach Marcus Arroyo on the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show and UNLV Sports Network on Learfield. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Head coach Marcus Arroyo joining us on the Marcus Arroyo Show along with Steve Cofield and Caleb Herring. I'm Russ Langer, and we're getting into the uh, part of the show. We're going to discuss a little bit more about Air Force coming up. Series that dates back more than 40 years. Air Force leads the series 17-6. to They've won the last four times. Rebels haven't won over the Falcons since 2013. Calm down, Caleb. We know you were there. <laughs> it was cold. There's a lot. Yeah, that, that was a cold game. Thir- minus 13 with a wind chill, so not not the most fun memory. But um, obviously, we got we got to touch on you know the San Jose State game before we get all the way into that. And just going back to some of these psychological elements and the game stuff. Obviously, Coach, you've you've probably put this to bed within hours of of getting on the plane. Um, but there's some things we want to discuss, and I, I think it's important to for the fans to hear it, uh, to kind of put it to bed. Um, San Jose State's a good football team, um, and I think a lot of people with their slow start maybe didn't give them credit for it, but they rolled into and developed this season into becoming a good football team. 
So no surprises on your end as far as how good they could be or how good they were when you cut the film on. And obviously after watching the game, that was evident with the way the, the game ended up. No, I don't, I don't know who was surprised by, by San Jose not being good. I don't know what they were watching. I mean, if, if you, you know, I don't, again, I don't, that's, a, that's a team that's been together a long time. They've got a bunch of returning starters. They've got all their coaches back. They've got good momentum from two years ago going into last year. They got a little banged up at the end when their quarterbacks got hurt. They got a transfer quarterback. They got, I mean, I don't know what else anybody's watching. They played tough in the first half in an SEC game at Auburn. Uh, they beat Western Michigan. They beat Wyoming. I mean, I don't know what other else is watching. What else you want to see? Um, that's a good football team. And we ran into a, a really good football team that's mature, that was ultra healthy, and and they gave us a good one. You got knocked down. You got to get up, put your boots back on, and dust off. And uh, we got to look at it. We looked at it for sure because there's important stuff to look at and to kind of see, regardless of being banged up and not being full power, just some things that I think uh, that culturally I want to make sure that we that, that, that we understood in regards to – how you got to go into those games and, 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 and there's a big learning tool there in a lot of ways. I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity to look at that game and say, hey, were we, were we prepared to be in that position or in that spotlight why things were built up? And and it's good because I think, you know, eh, whether anybody wants to say it or not, and you guys know me, I'm not going to hold any punches. I mean, we're, we're being lifted up and put in a place now that hasn't been talked about in a while. And so I've told this team for a long time, you got to be able to have a, you know, a type of a winner's demands or being able to handle that limelight. That team's had been in that spotlight where it's been a big game and, and, and they've had that. And I think it was good for us to stand in there and kind of see where we're at. Um, and whether we're ready or not, we've got to figure you had to play the game. And um, we're going to grow from that. I think that that type of situation, that pressure is something that we asked for. We want, we, we were, that's the type of culture and program we're building. And, and uh, I'm excited about that. I, I, I like that growth. Not everybody's up for public speaking. Everybody says they, they're a leader and they like that stuff, man. You go ahead and take a poll, let people pop out there. Who wants to public speak? Not everybody steps up front. So I think learning how to be out, learning how to be in the limelight is a, is a is 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 not always innate. There's a lot of nurture there and a lot of a lot of growth to be able to have. So I'm I'm excited about moving forward and, and being able to buckle up and go back to work. One thing you've mentioned in the past at times, Marcus, is uh, that you can't let one loss become two. So address, if you would, the importance of rebounding after San Jose. Yeah, I think that we've talked about that a lot since since we've been here. I think that teaching that in our culture about not letting one mishap and one loss beat you twice um, is just a way of life, man. I mean, you just can't let one misstep that's not that's not terminal. Uh, go ahead and sink the whole ship. That that that's not the way we live our, live around here, and that's not the way we've 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 started this program. Uh, we're going to take it on the chin, and we're going to get up, and we're going to dust stuff off, and, and go back to work. And these guys know that. Um, I want it to hurt because it should hurt because that means it's important to us. And then we move on. Uh, love each other up. We get healthy. We find out what we can do better, and we go back to work. And uh, I just think that's a really healthy way to teach your team. And and you've got to do that in sports because there's another one coming. We got six games left with a bye week and everything in front of us, four and two. And uh, I, I couldn't be more excited for these guys. Got to get healthy and and get these guys uh get these guys excited to keep working. From a coach's standpoint, I know how it feels as a player. I felt like I was an ultimate competitor. Um, and losing hurts. There's no way around it. Um, is there a certain level of frustration that maybe you're okay with or even that you look for uh, in your players when you're going through a loss like that as things are getting away on the sideline? Obviously, you want to keep it constructive, but is there some fire, and I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit there, there's some fire as a coaching staff that you're looking for that you don't want guys to be complacent or satisfied, I mean, taking it on the chin, getting getting whooped a little bit. There should be some frustration, right? No, they're absolutely should. I think we've come a long ways because that wasn't always part of it. It, it was, uh, I think there's a certain amount of frustration that shows me that, it, that it's important to them. 
And I think coaching the guys who, who have that and coaching our team when they have that, um, how they need to turn that into constructive way of doing things is, is the next thing you got to coach because again, you, you got to play with emotion. We can't emotion play with you. And I think what happens if you get too upset, you start put yourself in a position where you can't move on and your cycle of the snaps messed up. And, and, and actually in a lot of times, I think, you know, what we end up coaching and coaching some guys who may be on the sideline with emotion and what they're doing, they're distracting the guys who got to get some stuff done. I'm just coaching those guys as much as anybody else. And you know, this, there's, you get on 105 guys or 74 on the road and, and you get a, some guys on the sideline saying, what was me or what's going on? As soon as that starts to get in somebody else's ear, who's having to make some decisions and do some big things, yep. you, you could run the risk of hurting your team. And so I'm coaching those guys who, who, who are on the sideline and who think that, you know, uh, at times may not be, you know, having the right attitude. I'm coaching them as much as I'm coaching anybody else. And coaching never stops, obviously. There were some things during the game that, as a coach, you make adjustments to, you change things schematically. And then there's some things that are mistakes that go up on, like, missed tackles um, that aren't necessarily things that you can change schematically. You just got to finish your job. The silver lining, because I'm a silver lining guy, is as a coach, you don't have to correct guys being out of assignment or out of place or anything like that. They're there. It's just a matter of making tackles. Is that, is that something that you look at as a coach when you look back at the film? Like, hey, we had our chances to make plays. We just didn't do it. As sort of a silver lining in a loss like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't probably use the words. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there, Kay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I agree. I think that, what, uh, you know, one way we do it, and right, wrong, or different. Um, you know, I believe in, in finding what you didn't do and making sure that you put each error or mistake into maybe its own category. Let's use an example of a, a mental error versus a physical error. Uh, a mental error tells me you don't know what you're doing. Okay, a physical error means, okay, uh, I, I didn't use the proper technique on long stride, short stride, near shoulder, near hip on a tackle in open space. All right, so you got to be able to attack those things differently. They're not the same. And I think that I learned that a long time ago from some great mentors and how to, how to, how to systemize and, 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 and bucket your, your errors and how you can fix your football team because at the end of the day, how do you go back to work? You just beat them down and say, hey, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't do well enough. Well, I need more to that. I need an ultra competitor to say, coach, that's fine. What do I need to do? Well, the metal error guy, we need to figure out how we get more reps. The physical error guy, okay, how do we get to – I need five more minutes of tackling circuit on open – on, on – on, uh, maybe something uh, open distance tackling, which is a drill that we use. It's, it's got more distance to it than the close, close tackling. Um, those things to me are weighted different. And I think that we, we, we take, we take a lot of time when it comes to critical errors, mental errors, physical errors to be able to diagnose, okay, are we, uh, the silver lining using is okay. We know what we're doing. We just need to make sure we're, we're in position now to be able to, okay, we need more physical work here. We need this, um, so on and so forth. A drop ball. Uh, okay. Well, what's the coaching point on drop ball? Catch it. Well, that, okay, great, great coaching point. The reality of it is what kind of ball was it? Head coach Marcus Aro joining us. Friends, summer is finally over. UNLV football is back in full swing, and it soon will be time to fire up your furnace on your home. If your heating system may have trouble coming out of its summer hibernation, give the Yes Man a call to get your system tuned up. Call Yes Air Conditioning and Plumbing at 708-888-4937-888-4937 or visit them at www.theyesmancan.com to set up an appointment today. Back with uh, another segment of Marcus Arroyo on the Marcus Arroyo Show. Coming up, this is the UNLV Sports Network on Learfield. 
It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Rebel fans, it's time for the Coach's Look Ahead presented by Pueblo Medical Imaging. Head coach Marcus Arroyo joining us along with Steve Cofield and former Rebel quarterback Caleb Herring on the Marcus Arroyo Show. Marcus, uh, looking ahead for an option-driven offense like that of Air Force is, of course, beyond just a one-week proposition. So to what extent does such preparation take place in spring and fall camps? Well, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of it. You do your best you can in, in, in spring and fall, you know, and that, that's a lot easier when you've had offense and defensive coordinators who've been with you because you're not also installing your defense um, at the same time you're trying to get ahead on an opponent later in the season. So a uh, little bit more uh, a little more practical when you've been together a long time and you can you can go through the basics already and then be able to set aside a few days and go, all right, here's what we're doing to, to do this. Now, we touched on – this a little bit and looked it over, um, you know, touched on it for a day or two in spring. And then you got fall camp where you get a day to check things out. Um, but it's nothing like when you're truly diving into it and, and looking at it. One of the things about truly diving into it is I just from my years playing and, and I was just never as a defensive guy, but in hearing coaches prepare for it, one of the headaches is that you kind of have to go live uh, to really get a feel for what the triple option brings, especially with the cut blocks being thrown and things like that. Um, these days we understand and we know for health reasons going live isn't optimal. So does that present another challenge as far as how you prepare for the triple option? Because you really can't go live against it much against your own guys in practice. Yeah, you, you, that's hard to do um, unless you're, you, you know, you, you're fortunate to have a really deep group. Um, you know, and, and I think that that, uh, but there is some pieces to it that, that that's that's correct there, Caleb. I mean, what you've got, what you've got to hope to do is you get as full speed as you can at certain things that may be a little bit different. Number one, options different. Number two, the cut blocks you got to do. You've got to work in some drill specific stuff that's full speed um, as best you can with the D line. Um, you've got to have great eye, you know, eye discipline and accountability on the on all three levels for the ball, the dive and pitch and quarterback. So there's some things there and they gotta be, it's gotta be fast because it hits you so fast. So um, that piece is, is definite. And you talked about it earlier, the importance of scout team. You guys, at least the programs I've been around, do a really good job of, of highlighting the scout team. I think you guys do it on social media with the scout team for other weeks. These are the weeks that I think scout team really gets to highlight because the speed of the triple options, the speed that you practice against has to be high level, right? So the scout team is is crucial, critical in preparation in weeks like this. Yeah, it is. You, you got to get the scout team dialed up. You get them out there a little bit early. Again, you know, and then fortunate part is your scout team doesn't know any more about option than you do. Some, you know, they more option than, than they do with their own normal stuff. So it's not like they're, they're doing what they know. You just got to get them practicing as fast as they can um, and giving us a quality look just like every other week. Um, and, and we do. We, we spend a lot of time highlighting those guys. I make sure they understand how important and critical they are to our development. Um, they have been since we've been here. They're, they're, they continue to be uh, pieces that, that, that allow us to, to highlight them and eliminate the fact that they're as integral as anything else. And I think this week is, is no different. There were some glimpses of triple option football against New Mexico, maybe not as heavy as, as anticipated, um, but the live reps there, those count for something, right? Like seeing the team stretch out the read option yeah. and the pitch man. Yeah, there's a couple game. things there. Yeah, they, I didn't cut you off. They, 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 they did that um, a little bit. They actually played a little more spread uh, zone read option football than we probably than they played at both. Um, and so they ended up playing that game, as you saw, and we had to make some adjustments in game um, because they didn't run as much triple. Um, and so a little bit there, but again, nothing like uh, nothing like these guys in regards to how just 
how serious and, and, and real they are at this deal. I'm talking about the challenges that this presents your defense. The secondary has had a challenge all year. They've been tested with the passing game, and there's guys that are coming along and progressing in the secondary. This is a whole different animal because it's, it's about not just pass coverage and, and, and interceptions and PBUs. It's about getting your helmet in there in, in the run game, maybe in a different way than they've had to all season long. Talk about the challenge for the guys in the secondary kind of going against a, a run-heavy, very run-heavy triple option offense. Yeah, now the now now the onus is for them in the back end is is as much run fit as anything else like you mentioned, knowing which gap they've got, knowing how they've got to spin coverages based on um, what they do, uh, moving their wings around and their flies and their orbits and things like that, and balancing the numbers up correctly, different than than maybe playing a downfield one on one. Now that this 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 these guys are third down the field too. That's the one thing we talked about earlier on this week was that quarterback can run and throw. So they've obviously got the challenge on both ends, and uh, definitely the, the back end is, is as important as anything in option football. It seems like the dive man, the first man through, we used to call him back when I played against it, the sniff guy, uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's had their most success, right, that Roberts mm-hmm. running right down the middle as the first guy through. How difficult is it, and why is it so difficult for the, in the triple option, especially going from under center like Air Force does, to, to, to stop that dive, man, in order to kind of disrupt the whole flow of the rest of everything? Well, it's just so fast. It's, it's so much more fast hitting than most of the stuff you've prepared for, uh, most of what you've done. I mean, maybe your whole career uh, is how fast that dive guy is on you, that veer player gets to you, and, and uh, you've got to be right there. He's got the ball, and he's at the line of scrimmage before you know it. And um, the snap under center is right there at the line of scrimmage. There's not a lot, not a lot of uh, lost yardage in regards to the mesh. The mesh is right there. Um, and so it's just how fast everything happens. That, that's the reality of it. So when you put up the film from last year's game, he had 16 carries, Roberts did, for 98 yards, two touchdowns. What have you seen in terms of corrections that need to be made to slow him down this time around? Well, we've got a, a totally different defense, obviously. Um, and so we've got to take this year's squad and apply what we've got, um, both as we've got as people and what we've got as a scheme to this year's challenge. Now, you can't look at last year. Uh, it's a different defense for us, uh, different personnel. And uh, but I think, that, you know, if anything, Steve, the reality of it is that these, this guy can is a quality player. These are quality backs and uh, they've got to be treated as such. Otherwise, they'll, they'll run on you. And so uh, we got to do a real good job of being disciplined, real good job schematically of, of, of being uh, in our gaps and know what we're doing uh, in and out of different packages and, and, and playing well, because uh, all, all those guys in the backfield can go on you. This might be the kind of game where fourth and short, Air Force is aggressive because they trust what they do up the middle, what they do with the triple option. And I actually wanted to pivot to just making those decisions in general on offense. We just saw the Raiders, you know, down 30-29 against Kansas City. They're on the road. Josh McDaniels says, you know what? We're, gonna, we're not going to do what's traditional. We're not going to kick an extra point. We're going to go for two. And then he explained kind of a, a field deal and how he made his decision. And a lot of people pointed to analytics. In those situations, I don't know that they're really analytics decisions, are they? Well, I, I can't speak for, for anybody else. I just, we talked about this, I think, what was it, last week or two weeks ago and some of the decisions we made on fourth down and some of the decisions we made on a two-point play. Uh, for us, we usually talk about them prior to the drive because the score is, is, is already up on the board. Um, so we talk about it. It's one of our checklist items when we score. Okay, what's the score? What are we going to do, especially in the second half, right? Um, what are we going to do on some of these situations? So we are, or do we feel confident on some of these fourth down calls in plus territory? Okay, yes, let's go. Let, let's make a, let's make a push. We feel good about how we're moving the ball, so on and so forth. All right, the fourth down in shorts will continue to be aggressive. Got it. Okay, what about two point guys? 
Um, okay, here's the score. Do we want to make that decision now? How's the defense plan? Offensively, what are we thinking? Um, there's a lot of things that go into it, but I, all I can tell you is we try to make we try to get a little bit of a heads up before we get right on that moment. I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else, but um, there's feel, there, there's feel to it for sure. But there's there's always there's also numbers because you want to make sure that you're making the right decision based on time and, and, and distance and, and, and score to be, and, and to know, you know, what they've got to get or where you're at in the game. Let's talk about when you have your ball, the ball on say your 40 all the way down to their 30. Um, and you're trying to make a decision. Like, I wonder what's, what's the conversation like? And does someone have a card there? Where they're like, all right, 64% versus 42. <laughs> like how do all the numbers work? Cause I, you know, I brought, I brought up McDaniel's decision because when the numbers were crunched after the game, their chance to win between one of the other extra point and two pointer was like 29.3 and 28.3. But when you're in the middle of the field, like how quickly can you get those numbers and how much do they factor into it? I'd, I'd, I'd be lying to tell you that we, we, do, we don't we don't do that. I know that some guys use those. There's a there's actually a couple different uh, a couple different systems that are sold, and people say preseason and they work through um, some analytics and some books that help you kind of make decisions on that. Um, we go into the game uh, our Thursday and Friday night and make some notes offensively and defensively again um but prior to the game and then those are put on the sheet on my call sheet uh, and, and then this is in the little box where i've got some fourth down and third down notes and uh and then within the course of the game uh we make a decision and we say hey you know is this something we're excited about going for right here what's the what's the swing of the game what's the score how we move the ball how's defense doing um how is their offense doing and, and we make it from there that, that's just that's as bad as real answers i could give you steve i, I can't we don't we definitely I'm not. I'm not calling the uh, the analytics department now. And you know, between the on the other headset, going, "Hey, you know, I need some numbers, boys, before I make this call." Right. <laughs> Back with our remaining moments at head coach Marcus Arroyo on the Marcus Arroyo Show. This is the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Hello, Las Vegas. Hello, Sunset Over the Strip. Intermountain Healthcare is here to be a part of your Las Vegas life. And they're here to help you live an even healthier one. Intermountain Healthcare, official healthcare partner of UNLV Athletics. Back with our remaining moments with head coach Marcus Arroyo and along with Steve Cofield and yours truly, Russ Langer, Caleb Herring. Yeah, so we're talking about option football before the break. Obviously, the, the different uh, things the Air Force presents at a challenge but one of the things in preparation i want to talk about the triple option especially where air force does it is their propensity i guess to go for it on fourth down and is that's sort of a mindset change going to get some triple option team where you're not thinking third down is a stop you know fourth and three that's very much they could go for how do you kind of get the defense geared up for that kind of mental approach to play be ready to play all four downs on every set of downs yeah, I mean that's 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 really it, Caleb. It's like, hey, every down they can go, they can go. You know, unless it's fourth and long, uh, anything fourth and manageable, um, these guys feel comfortable that because of the numbers, right? Because sometimes you're like, oh, we're out, we're going to be outnumbered because of coverage, we're going to be outnumbered because of the box, and we don't feel like the leverage is there. These guys, this is option football. Every every all eleven guys count. You know, you got to be, you got to be. So they feel, you know, at certain times where that's part of their deal, and. Uh, and, and, and so they're, they're very successful. They've been very good at it for a long time. Um, and that's just obviously one of their philosophies, and, and it makes sense to what they do. Now, this is going to be a little less serious of a question. Oh. You, you've been working out. Uh, you, you got some pythons. I'm, I'm just going to compliment you. I, we see you working out <laughs> as a cheetah. That's number one. So in your career, in your playing career, have you ever been at the helm of a triple option style, style offense where you're the quarterback and you're out there calling the shots from center in that way? No, 
No, no, no. I, I was not that athletic. I, I mean, I'm pretty athletic, but I, I, I have never been part of option football. I've been part of zone read. I was probably, uh, I think, one of the, I think the second, my junior year, we had one coordinator come in who probably first started the bubble read stuff and, and that. And I was athletic enough to get that done on some zone read stuff and, and pitch it around. Kind of like, felt like I was back being a point guard again or shortstop turning two. But um, no, I've never, I've never run the uh, triple option, uh, Caleb. Caleb, you? I have not. Not fully. I've, I've done the scout look for it. Oh, yeah. So I, I got some experience doing it. And it's not my cup of tea. One, I didn't have the pythons that coach has. I was I was narrow <laughs> through and through, right? My stiff arms probably as flimsy as they come. So it wasn't built for me. I wasn't built for the triple option. I have no shame in admitting that at this point in my life. I've accepted it. It's fine. Yeah, no, I'd rather get to get under center and, and, and take a five and a hitch, or I'd rather get in gun and, and, and deal it. I'm not, I'm not, getting under there, that, so that, I, I, I wasn't my deal. 7.30 kickoff coming up this Saturday. We'll be on at 7 for the pregame show. Caleb and Steve and I describing the action. And Steve with the sideline report. And so, homecoming. And, uh, Coach, discuss the importance of homecoming and what kind of a crowd you expect and you hope for. No, I'm fired up. I mean, we, we're 4-2. We're, we're, we're playing good football. We've got a good program rolling. We've got what we all wanted, and that's the, the growth. And, uh you know, some real strong indicators of a program on the rise in a real way. And so I think that's exciting, man. I hope everybody comes out and continues to support and, and sticks in there for a long haul of what we're doing and, and it gets excited about it because, again, that place when it's rocking, man, is, is such a cool place to play um, at Allegiant for this program right now. And so to come out on homecoming week and and to support and be part of this this athletic department and this school and this city and this time is uh, is really, really, really important. I think uh, we're also partnered with Helensky's Hope and, and a mental awareness month that's an important deal to our to our program um both both as a program and individually for for myself and our staff and players um and so that's another added element to what we're doing that's a bigger picture than uh than than, than just football and so i think those things are all uh real good reasons why you know it'd be awesome to come out and support us here on, on saturday night as we as we as we get another conference game underway coach we appreciate it we'll see you saturday appreciate you guys see you saturday all right Rebels and Air Force, 7.30. Get your tickets at unlvtickets.com. That's the Marcus Arroyo Show for Steve Cofield and Caleb Herring and the coach, Russ Langer, thanking you very much for tuning in. This is the UNLV Sports Network on Learfield. You've been listening to the Marcus Arroyo Show, brought to you by Fenley Chevrolet. Fenley Chevrolet is your home of the Woo, located on the 215 Beltway between Rainbow and Jones. And by Dos Equis, a proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.